the exotic liability number 18. Hi. 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 Oh, we're all Hi. like, Hi, Ryan. Hey. Ryan's like looking at his new Mac typing. He's probably pretending to type. He's like looking at porn. <laughs> I am actually. I'm about, I, I'm no, about to looking. start spanking it any minute. Awesome. <laughs> that, you know how excited that makes me? Is Karen under the table again? I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, hi. So, we're doing a podcast, and uh, part of what we're doing in this podcast is is Matt Aragon and I have been talking for a, a long time and actually had like a, a wonderful bitch session on the phone, which I could have recorded, and you know, we, we could have driven 50 white papers, um, but we've been talking a long time about compliance, and he is definitely one of the, uh, again, another person that I hugely respect in this industry for everything that he's done and published and things he's done with clients. So, Matt, hello. Hey, how's it going, Chris? <laughs> Yay, we got him. It's a, <laughs> That's the new instant Skype call. Dude, hey, what's up? <laughs> um, <laughs> Boy, that way don't get hit. <laughs> I know. We, we, can, fun, we can, PJ can insert those. Good rock <laughs> out. Um, what's, what's going on, dude? How you been? Good, good, good. Hey, um, I wanted to say uh, hey to Ryan. I, my understanding is that you've uh, taken up a position over at my former alma mater, so congratulations on that. That's... I listened to episode 14 in its entirety, <laughs> and uh, hopefully, you know, we'll all be a little bit easier on each other than you were on that one guy. I don't remember what his name was, that but... Um, Stephen Chu. It, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. That guy's a <laughs> Whatever. Ruthless. He's a, he's I like how you ruthless. mentioned you listened to all of 14. Like, you didn't just stop after the first five minutes. <laughs> hey, you know what? Uh, <clears throat> I feel that if you believe strongly about something, you should express it in the strength that you believe it. Um, and I believe he's a babbling idiot. So, you know, I just want to tell people. And by all means, you can, you can bag on fucking Trustwave because, you know, whatever. Just because he's employed there. It, it doesn't. I, I don't. I don't work for the PCI group. So right, which is good because because uh, otherwise, um, you know, he would just become like the the show bitch of like, hey, guess what? It's a scan that we have to do. That's cool. Give it to Ryan. He knows how to do it. You mean um, you mean instead of what we do now, which is like, hey, give it to Luke. Oh, He'll scan anything. So, <laughs> yeah. So speaking of compliance and scanning, um, Matt, I I read your blog post uh, about Core. That was neat. Yeah, that. Uh, Good thing you went easy yeah, on them. I guess that's where, my version of the Chris Nickerson blow up uh, <laughs> scenario. So. Where is the Chris Nickerson blow up version of that Matt has written located? So oh, uh, criticalassets.com slash blog, right, Matt? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so the, the basic premise behind that is um, I was talking to a friend of mine uh, who you know very well. Ryan, I, I don't know if he wants me to use his name, so I'll just leave it out. But um, uh, a fellow trust waiver about <laughs> uh, you know, some of these claims that, that Core is making, and he literally asked me, he goes, "Is Bob Russo lost his damn mind?" And I went, "I don't know what you're talking about." He goes, he's claiming that Core Impact is directly sufficing, you know, 11.3, um, <clears throat> the requirement to do penetration testing, and I said, "That doesn't really sound like." something Bob would say, especially given that, you know, I spent a substantial amount of time trying to convince the council that there needed to be a product security standard, which would measure the ability of a product to meet a requirement. <clears throat> and his take was, hey, you know, we don't want to get in the business of endorsing products. It's not really our job. So, um, you know, at that point, I thought, that doesn't sound like something he would do. So I went and I listened to this entire, like, I don't know, it was like 90 minutes worth of 
you know, babbling about, you know, the, the, the standard, and it goes back and forth between Bob and Core and all these different people. And at the very end of the thing, uh, which I wish I had skipped to in the beginning, it talks about, uh, the, the Core guy asks the question, uh, you know, hey, uh, you know, does, uh, does the idea of having a penetration test you know, look to you like some of these things that I'm about to describe and ask these very confusing questions lead Bob down a path of saying something along the lines of, uh, oh, well, yeah, you know, it sounds like uh, using a tool in that scenario with these parameters would probably need a pen test, but it's not my job to decide that. Right. And it's really up to the assessor in question. Right, which was the end result. And then these core guys, like, take all of that data and put it in this press release about how Bob Russo said that core impact is a penetration test. Mm. And I went, yeah, okay, so I guess, you know, we may as well just all quit our jobs because core (laughs) impact, obviously, as a software, you know, can do everything that we do. And furthermore, I'm going to have core impact over to rake my lawn and do my dishes (laughs) and... I generally vacuum my carpet because it's obviously got all of the intelligence built into it to be able to allow it to do all of those things. Right. So I thought the whole thing was kind of ridiculous, actually. I, you know, I got an email from a friend of mine I used to work with at IBM. I actually ran into him at that Chicago Con. He's like, mm. I was reading this this product description. I think it was like SecPoint yeah. is the name of the company. And uh, they were advertising a pen testing application, like network app or mm-hmm. not uh, appliance not app, appliance. So a network appliance that does pen testing. Mm. And he's like, his first thing was like, so how do they shrink the like really crafty little guy to fit in that little one new unit? <laughs> so Hamsters like, learn how to sec- hack. Second response was like, so are you sure you didn't confuse pen testing with vulnerability scanning? Right, right. You yeah, know, it's like I, when you drive through the drive through a jack-in-the-box, right? And you go, you know, how can I help you? And you're like, hey, how'd you get in the little box? <laughs> <laughs> We can well, get you out, and, dude. I think that uh, it, it's it's so funny when when people do these things because you know I, I'll give Core credit uh, in the fact that uh, what that product does for a pen test is probably better than ninety percent of the big companies that say they're doing a pen test and run a Nessus scan um, because it does actually exploit something, uh, but. You know, by no means is any software product ever the panacea of like, hey, this is exactly what's right in the world, and and I think that 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 leads perfectly to the the topic of of you know having testers and and you know what makes a good tester, how do you have a good tester, as well as you know like how are these compliance mechanisms working within this idea of you have humans and you know one human may really suck at it and one may be really good but the one that sucks at it paid their forty thousand dollars to get sponsored by visa and pci and now they're a certified assessor and the person who's good didn't feel like you know paying their soul to the devil so now they can't assess an environment i mean wh- or the person who's good is running a small business right. and can't afford it right i mean let's well, be fair i can't but dude i'm not gonna pay 40 grand a visa so i can do a fucking pci assessment and i know damn well you, well, know, you could thing, you know i mean th- we go through this I have this conversation with clients on a daily basis, um, primarily because the, I think the way people are starting to view PCI audit is is exactly that. It's audit. I literally, what I want out of an assessor is to come in objectively every year, um, probably not the same assessor, and provide me some level of super objective 
like this control requirement is met through these series of technologies, these processes, so forth and so on. And, and frankly, I'm not interested in, in doing that work. Um, it's not exciting. It's not, you know, uh, fun. It doesn't pay great. I mean, there's a whole lot of things about it that are, uh, you know, not uh, really my ball of wax. Well, and it doesn't secure your clients. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'd much rather try to help customers who have to deal with, with compliance and specifically cardholder data-related compliance uh, try to figure out what the appropriate security controls are in order to protect the data um, that they have to protect. Uh, and in order to understand kind of the onus that's been placed on merchants and service providers and whatnot, I think it's important to go all the way back and understand what is cardholder data, right? Because that, to me, is a part of this whole thing. Right. Right? You go all the way back and you say, okay, you got Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discover, JCB. They own the plastic, right? They own the IP on the card. And by IP, I mean the completely unprotected data that resides on the mag strip of every credit card. <laughs> right, this data has no inherent security controls. It's quite literally plain text in the definition of plain text. It is, here is my PAN, here is my expiration date, here is my name, uh, here's a PIN block, you know, whatever it happens to be, whatever piece of information you're looking at that's on the back of that card. And I think that's, first and foremost, that's ridiculous. Right. Right? Like, it... Think of any other scenario where that happens. I can't think of one, right? Like you go, you go into a HIPAA scenario, and if you had patient data that was just laying around like that, you'd be fined. <laughs> you'd be, uh, you'd be ridiculed by uh, by your, I guess, fellow IT people. And secondly, you'd be subject to outside scrutiny. Um, so that doesn't typically happen, but it's for whatever reason it's been deemed acceptable. Primarily, I think because you know the same people who issue the standard for security also issue the cards. Right. So there's really no objectivity. Well, yeah, um, I mean, that's the wolf guard in the hen house. <laughs> right, right. So, I mean, look at who the PCI Security Standards Council is. It's Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discover, and sure, you know, I, I think the SSC could turn around and say, well, you know, we also have outside delegates and we have working groups and we have vendors and we have all these other people who are involved, but at the end of the day, if you ask, and Ryan, I think this would be a really interesting question for you to ask internally, who okay. wrote PCI? <laughs> right? What, why, why would that be interesting? And, and I'm not going to name any names, but... No, I, 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 and I know what... Very specific... I know what you're getting yeah, at, and I know what you're getting at, so I'll, I'll go ahead and let you tell, tell, enough as, tell as much as you want. But yeah, I got what you're saying. No, it's, a, it's okay that right. he works for them. We can bag on him. Trust me, I will. I'll continue to do it. And Charles can be pissed at me. <laughs> no, no, Charles, Charles and I are uh, Charles and I are on good terms about everything, especially when I, I rip into his company. Um, <laughs> the, uh, um, love you, buddy. Anyway. Um, Charles is too cool to about, listen to us. If you go and you ask around, you know, who wrote PCI, uh, you'll get varied responses. Okay, um, most frequently, what you'll get is that there's one person at Visa who may or may not sit on the Security Standards Council Executive Committee. I'm not going to name any names, but that claims to have authored these things. And if you look at 
that person's background in information security, it's non-existent. So then you have to ask yourself, okay, well, this is a very InfoSec-centered standard. Who really wrote the standard? Well, then you have to look at who that person most frequently intervenes with, and you'll come up with your answer. And that <laughs> happens to be an assessor, and also happens to be one of the larger ones. Uh, cough, cough, Ryan, cough, here, cough, here, Carl, yeah, cough, yeah, cough, cough. <laughs> guess what? It, the people from Trustwave wrote. Yeah, the people from Trustwave wrote it, and they're the largest assessor. Isn't that weird? Huh? It's so odd. Yeah, that's like that's like um, you know you know what I love in the in the virus world, <laughs> like hey they found this virus first, and it's everywhere, and they are the first one with the signature. Why? <laughs> uh oh, they they just found it in the wild first. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. How many how many times back in the BBS days did we get pinged by all of their like their cool little I'm trying to be secret, but they're actually dialing into the BBS from like a McAfee phone line. Of like, hey, we really want to research viruses, and we want these old virus patterns. What was the old one um, that where you could make the virus? It was like Captain something. Oh, and you remember, God. and it would automate making the virus, yeah. and you could put in the the like the new code at the bottom of it to change yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I remember. I used to love that because we used to post them all the time, and you could always see these like the McAfee people like on the board pulling them out and like putting signatures into their stuff and and then randomly like stuff that had never ever been released because we made it like would be infecting people's computers and I'd be like how did this get out there this was a proof of concept that we did on here only Oops. and and then it was weird because the McAfee people would touch it and then it would get out in the wild uh, yeah you know shock. My, my time at NSS Labs our, our job was to literally take vendor products and go into a black hole with them and report back, you know, what are the capabilities of this thing? And right. I'll tell you that uh, while we were probably the most objective, most independent lab out there, you look at some of these other reports from like, you know, ICSA and, um, you know, some of the other labs that are out there, West Coast, et cetera, on the capabilities of products. And it strikes you that maybe it's not just the testing lab that's coming up with the results as to you know what this IPS can do and what these signatures are, and uh, you know how this thing actually protects data and where it's supposed to sit in the network and does it fail open, does it fail closed. <laughs> um, it strikes you that maybe there's some input from the vendor and maybe the majority of the input is from the vendor, and maybe a lot of these claims are. You know, for the most part, BS. Oh, you mean like Gartner, the um, best the best opinion money can buy? Well, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll tell you a really funny story about Gartner. I don't want to make any enemies at Gartner, but I'm about to, so that'll be funny. <laughs> yeah. um, what? Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome to being to, on the podcast. Welcome to Exact Liability. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chris just hit a nerve. So I was at uh, <laughs> WinFirst. We, we were a company to... Uh, uh, we were the first guys to take, like, we took the largest round of Series A funding in the history of technology. We took a billion two, right? With a wow. <laughs> to go and dig up all the streets, Sacramento, Austin, Houston, Dallas, uh, San Diego, and drop fiber in. And we were going to do kind of the, the triple play before there was a triple play, right? So now right. Comcast, you hear, is doing voice video data. We were trying to do that back in 2000. So were we at Sprint. Um, yeah, so, and, and having tremendous success at it, you know, doing single mode fiber connections straight yeah. to the side of the house, 
and and doing really well. Um, uh, what was my point here? Give me back on Gardner. Gardner, right? And so, how they're full so of shit. During the course of this, <laughs> there's all these reports going around about like, you know, who's the best DSL provider? Who, you know, what uh, broadband reports had just come out? Uh, you know, who who's providing the most consistent bandwidth? You know, what are residential customers satisfied with? Um, and and Gartner hadn't done anything on the topic yet. So I invited some of the execs down to come and sit with us. And I literally had this guy tell me, well, you know, for $380,000, you can get this report, which will be super objective. Um, and for, wow. you know, $690,000, you can get this report, which will say, you're super awesome. Jesus Whoa. Christ. And I was like, really? That's the shit. That's we, awesome. Because we have a billion dollars, so what's the problem with spending? What if I give you $1.2 Does that mean we own you? <laughs> I mean, we can just publish reports every day. <laughs> so, well, no, so, you know, we were, so that's how we you get so into the magic quadrant. We, we just thought, oh well, we we have a superior service, so we'll just you know not buy anything from you. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> that's the wrong answer to Gartner because it's kind of like saying, well, IRS technically, you know, under the law, I'm sure you heard about all those people who decided that they just were going to stop paying taxes altogether. Right. Yeah, those those people did not fare well. Yeah, I mean they just they just live in court. So well in jail. (laughs) It's a good idea in theory, just doesn't work out in practice. Well, I mean, and that's well, I was I was gonna say that's the same with the whole monopoly in the credit card industry, like you and I were talking about yesterday, right? Like when when you go f u Visa, I'm just not gonna take Visa cards. What happens? (laughs) Like you go out of business. Yeah, you get less business. Yeah. Right. So you know it's it's like um, it's like you look you look at uh, card systems or pay by touch right right uh, or what pay by touch bought I guess is sort of a shell at this point <laughs> but um, the former card systems you know those guys basically said okay yeah we got breached it was a huge breach it's the biggest in history um, so what we're going to try to do is just rectify the situation and like go on with life. And Visa said, yeah, we're not going to let that happen. <laughs> you're going to actually stop processing Visa cards altogether. You're off Visa net. You're just oh. off. And they're like, uh, that's 90% of our business. <coughs> wow. I'm like, well, we have a lot of other processors. <clears throat> so uh, so and I'm, I'm curious about something. How basically going around, going on that same thought process like you know visa can tell you to fuck off at any time because you didn't comply or whatever how on earth did heartland become compliant again because like they were just announced as being compliant <laughs> with pci again and they just got well, here's what's popped like fucking crazy. so i have you know i have a couple of notes written down here about what i want to talk to you guys about and that's actually a huge point it's who's responsible for complying right so it's so like we've already established that if if I have a credit card, the credit card itself is basically the level of secrecy we're talking about here or level of encryption or level of protection mm. is the same idea as if I wrote the words super secret data on my T-shirt, which I'm currently <laughs> wearing, and then I, I wear it around in public and I declare that it's somehow confidential while I'm walking around. I'm like, don't look at me. 
Don't, you can't look at me. Stop Looking at it. me is a violation of PCI DSS. 6.1. If we put a bag over your head, is it still really you and we're supposed to look at you? As long as you can see the don't look at me. <laughs> yeah, as long as you can see You're the liable. don't look at me. It's not me. Right? You remember those, those t-shirts a while back where people were protesting export of encryption? Yeah. Same idea. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's this notion that Visa and MasterCard and American Express and Discover and JCB and everybody else on the planet who issues cards are not leaving first data out. You know, they are the redheaded stepchild, but they are also issuing cards. Right. Um, so so the, the folks who own the brands, the card brands, are literally passing the buck. That's what PCI is. They're yeah. saying, well, you know, we own the IP, we came up with the schema, we are now off-net processing, so we don't want anything to do with this. <laughs> so acquiring banks, it's all about you. That's awesome. We came up with this thing called PCI, and you're going to comply with it. <laughs> right? And FFIC and mix it all in there. And the acquiring banks are like, are you kidding? No, no, we're, <laughs> we're like, going to be a bank. <laughs> oh, my God. No. This is this is seriously insane, and so the, what the acquiring banks do is they look at the merchants and they go, "Oh, well, you guys are the point of transaction, so you're going to deal with it." So now you've got these people who have zero vested interest in in this data, other than being able to accept payment, literally responsible for the origin of protection of the card. <laughs> It's just because Visa doesn't feel like making a card that's encrypted and secured. That's cute. Right. Isn't that cute? Yeah, like, why don't you just make a card that doesn't suck? <laughs> I, I mean, I don't mean to be vulgar or, or like, be a, an ass here, but... the I, I, I'm, right, I'm sorry, did, did you not listen to episode 14? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I know, but... I'm trying to I'm trying to keep it a little bit on the, the no, professional right. fit here. No, I got, I got you. I got you. <laughs> yeah, the... The bottom line is you can't ask somebody to do something that you're not doing yourself. Yeah. It's called hypocrisy. <laughs> exactly. And this is a standard built around it. Well, and it's a shitty form of leadership. Like, for Visa to go, you have to follow these regulations. Don't do what I do. Do what I say. Right. I, I guarantee you Visa's probably fucked if you ever walked into that. Oh, God. <laughs> I can't even imagine. I, I would love, dude, I'll do it for free. Anyone from Visa listening, I will do a red team assessment for free. I won't even publish anything about I won't even talk about it on the podcast. I just want to do it because I think it'd be really funny for me to just own everything in like the first 20 minutes. So I'll do the whole damn thing for free. I'll write it up. I'll send engineers. I'll pay for the travel. You know what? Before before you even get there, uh, Ryan, go go talk to Donnie and <laughs> and go and go talk <laughs> to uh, Rob. Okay. Um, I will be more than happy to do that. It's been done. I'm just gonna say oh yeah. no i'm i'm sure no and I, I'm, I'm sure but I, I think i think the results of that report will will suitably impress you <laughs> <laughs> nice well, um, I, I think the best place i ever did do red teaming was a huge tobacco manufacturer those guys were badass oh, well there and a luxury that. goods company that is one of the largest luxury goods company in the world both of them have their shit together. I mean, they, like, those people understand protecting IP. Like, if you if you want to take a case study on anyone who's really good at it, I mean, I had a machine gun drawn on me. 
And I was like, um, I suck. I'm out. See ya. <laughs> you know, like in the beginning of the assessment. Um, oh, those guys are just, they're, they're the most perfect case study of like, hey, I have a formula. Well, I know science can reproduce everything. No, no, no. But I have the formula and it's in a double bombproof bunker with armed guards at multiple stages that's not connected to anything. And then the formula has like, you know, a six-way lock between multiple people, even in the chemical process of creation and when they're picking the flowers and all that shit. I mean, it's it's really, really cool to see what they've done over a couple you know hundred years. Security ultimately comes down to is people asking questions yeah. instead of just saying okay. That, that's basically what it comes down to. And as long as you're able to, you know, at a professional, you know, intellectual level, ask the right questions of your clients and make sure that they understand the impact <clears throat> of the risk that they're absorbing, then they'll be fine. You know, dude, that, that's... Right? There's going to be risk, and you're never going to... I mean, I'm, I don't mean repeating myself from the early 90s, but <laughs> you're never going to be 100% secure. It's a fact. Right. It's a fact. If somehow you right? are, then you're not making money, and your business is rapidly failing. Well, <laughs> well, no, you just don't have any computers. I mean, you may, you're may you writing stuff down well, on... Then somebody will just walk but, in and steal it, you know? I mean, it's... Uh, you know, security's a feeling, right? I mean, it's there's no such thing as security. It's not like a it's not a physical construct. Are you gonna Are you gonna write a song about that, Chris? Yeah, mm-hmm. secures my feeling. Um, wow. Yeah, that that's where it sits. <laughs> and and that, no, but, that's why Chris is that's security, why I'm a security, security consultant. <laughs> <laughs> no, but well, it, you know, it's it's like you you think about the stats, right? Oh God. So so Ryan, you know, every year Trustwave releases this report that talks about the compromise stats they do and the IAR and all that stuff and, and all the forensics they do. Right? right. Right. So you you look at that and then you think, well, every year Visa announces the number of compliant merchants that they have. <laughs> and so the odd thing is that the, the, math the number of that. compliant merchants that there are goes up at the same time that the number of compromises goes up. Yeah. No, so it's the new. What math. is PCI doing? <laughs> right. Yeah, it, it's giving it's people risk. Fa- it's giving people a false sense of security. Oh man, you know what? I, I, just... I think that's its primary function right now. Did you did you know? Here's another interesting fact. Uh, the SSC is, for the most part, tasked with being a profitable entity. <laughs> so it's not like Aaron. <laughs> it's not like well, I guess ISACA is a profitable entity, but you know, a lot a lot of these agencies that are responsible for public good and, and welfare of large technology instances, such as oh, I don't know, you know, everybody's credit cards <laughs> are are non non profit and uh, not designed with profit in mind. They're designed with okay, a certain subset of interested parties are going to fund you know, salaries and facilities and things like that. Right. And given that these are some of the most profitable companies on the planet already, you would think that the SSC would just be sort of this wayside, cool, you know, we have an agency that takes care of security and takes input from the community and does all these good things, but it's not. It's $500 a head to train an assessor, okay? That's actually pretty cheap. Is it really? How long is the class? Like a day? Uh, It's $25,000 to certify your company to be a QSAC. 
Well, and then there's, and there's annual fees, uh, right? About 200 of those. So, right. you know, you do the math on revenue there. It's not small. Well, I mean, and look at uh, – I would love to see some stats on that eventually, um, even though they'll never come out. Um, but on the the Visa actually internal corporate revenue streams and how much of that is made off of PCI and from all the different facets of PCI, but but the way the influx of money comes into Visa because of PCI – I mean, you know, great move. Hey, make a standard that makes us a shitload of money and also causes people to spend other money, so they lobby for us. Well, that's the thing. Right they've, they've, almost, they've almost created their own their their own like use tax. Yeah, because they already take. Did you know they already take a percentage of of each sale away from from right. the end customer, right? So like you know, you charge twenty bucks right, well, to your card. Well, that's how they make their money, and, and I don't I don't take issue with that. Well, no, no, no. I got right. that. That's I got that. Brand. That's the convenience factor. Right, right. Right. No, I get that too. But if they're gonna if they're going to take in that money, they should be using some of that to at least fund the requirements that they're going to make their people. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Tell the man what he's won, Gunner. Yeah, right? So, yeah. I, I mean, I think at the end of the day, the, and, and do you remember, you might not remember this. This was a while ago. I, I want to say four or five years ago. Visa announced that they were putting a certain amount of money together in a fund for all level one merchants that had to comply with PCI. Really? And the number was like $2 million. <laughs> okay. And <laughs> I'm just going to tell you right off the bat that um, I was at a merchant at the time that this announcement came out, and we started discussing it. And the guy goes, yeah, so you know basically the size of our company. We're a level one merchant. We do about $700 million in revenue a year. Do you have any idea how little money two million dollars is for us to do infrastructure-related things and you know policy-related things and change company thinking? Uh, let alone the fact that this two million dollars is supposed to be spread across the United States, you know, <laughs> population all. of merchants. <coughs> he, he did the math real quick. <laughs> he busted. He's like calc.exe. That comes out to like four dollars and two cents. Per merchant. Well, that's actually <laughs> wow. more than like, I thought they'd do. Nationwide. Yeah, it's like great. You guys can all go buy a Happy Meal. Yeah, actually, I'm I happy. You probably you can't do with that tax. Anymore. No, Happy Meals. Probably. I mean, merchants. Literally, I hate to feel bad for corporate America, but but you think <laughs> about you think about Hannaford Brothers. You remember that compromise? Oh, oh yeah, that was that wasn't that long okay. ago, was it? We were actually. Did you hear what, we actually what, the, dude, the CEOs are actually a really nice guy. Yeah, and, we, and he's like, Matt. We we like, did we did the goes, assessment at their parent company. In the 120 years, the 120 years history of this company, this is hands down the worst thing that we've ever had happen. Really? Ever? <laughs> yeah. Because it, it's the hardest problem we've ever had to deal with. And you know why? Because it's not your problem, man. It's right. Literally not your problem. Yeah. It's somebody else's problem that's been heaped onto you. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, and, and beyond that, dude, like, like I was just saying, we did the assessment at their parent company. Um, so if you know, oh, you? Yeah, yeah, and and pointed out things like that. And they said, not in scope of PCI. <laughs> so back to the conversation that we had about scoping and how they're using this as a false sense of security when 5% of the assets in their environment fall under the scope of PCI, but they do... 85% of PCI compliance means that, you know, their whole organization's ass is hanging out on the outside, but they're waving the security banner. Um, exactly. 
yeah, th- those types of things are just unbelievable how they do that. And and I I don't I don't know I I don't know how we start to really make the movement that compliance isn't security. I know all of us talk about it till we're blue in the face and rant and rave and throw shit and and get pissed off about it at night. But I mean I I don't know how we how we get that into people. You know, I don't know if we just need to buy off the media and just have them say it. And then, you know, instead of, you know, villainizing AIG, we can villainize PCI or villainize something else because they just need to villainize something because it's the only way you get on the news. Um, well, I, I think I think exposing the, the truth about the way things work is going to be a big part of that, which is largely why I agreed to, to do to participate in the thing that you're doing here. Right. And I think if you I mean, you think about the way that training happens, right? That in and of itself is insane. Oh, yeah. So, right? so the FSC is literally, tell, I, I had a buddy of mine who just came back from QSA training show me his, his training book, right, <laughs> which are like supposedly now they're proprietary. It's and secret squirrel. Anyone who's not a QSA, and, you know, if we do, we'll cut off your QSA balls or whatever we do. Like, <laughs> and, you know, that this guy, he's showing me this thing, and it says, it gives an example of what appropriate protection for the cardholder environment is. Now, you know, we don't necessarily know what this particular scenario is, but the example that they give are access control lists off of Cisco Router. <laughs> wow. That's hot. And really? They, they literally say... That's it? An appropriate perimeter control for the cardholder environment is a Cisco ACL. Dude. That is awesome. Well, that's so- and you wonder why the number of breaches continues to go through the roof, yet the number of compliant merchants does the exact same thing. <laughs> it's mind blowing what people are being taught. And and keep in mind that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rip into QSAs for the sake of sake of ripping into them. But I will tell you that out of all the communities of people that I've seen involved in infosec over the last 20 years of my career. Hands down, there are a larger percentage of people who just don't know what they're talking about <laughs> inside the QSA community. I, I, there, I would there agree are with people you 100%. who are literally going, yeah, they're like, oh, well, I'll evaluate requirement 1.1. Do you have a firewall? Show me the rule set. <laughs> yeah. And then they don't even know what to look for in the rule set, so they're yeah. like, <clears throat> thank you for the rule set. Yeah. Click. Okay, so I saw the rule <clears throat> sets. Wow. Yeah, and you ask them, like, well, was there a cleanup rule in there? Like, well, what's a cleanup rule? What? Doesn't it do that by default? <laughs> it didn't didn't say clean in the rule set anywhere. Oh. I know, dude. <laughs> <laughs> or, You're not getting it. You're not hearing it. I, I love I love the like uh, Cisco AT- ACLs that at the end of it it has you know GT sixty five five thirty five. So it really actually opens every port from that port all the way up. Instead of yeah. just locking it down to a specific port. And then I've had, I mean, I've been in companies where people have handed me their port. And they're like, yeah, I looked at this rule set. Can you look at it again? Tell me what you think. And, you know, out comes my highlighter of like 90% of the rules have to go. And they're like, why? I'm like, because yeah, well, they wrote the uh, rule wrong. Highlighters and spray paint cans. <laughs> <laughs> go around just tagging stuff. <laughs> you yeah, need to you remove this. Given your corporate policies and procedures, they need to be painted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just put like a big X and no on stuff. Here, try again. Yeah, no, this is not correct. No. <laughs> uh, well, um, you- no, you know, and I, and I don't mean to sound like, you know, 
everybody is doing it wrong. But at the end of the day, Everybody's you've got a lot of merchants out there. Everybody from, you know, the Nordstrom's and, and you know, Saks Fifth Avenue's of the world to, uh, you know, Larry's Pizza Shack. Right. And they're all responsible for complying with the requirements at the same level, irrespective of what you've heard. Yep. If you read the documentation very carefully, it says, here are the things that you're supposed to test for, yet you're responsible for complying with the PCI-DSS in its entirety. Why the ASC can make a claim that says that no merchant that has been compromised has ever found to be compliant at the time of compromise. Oh, that that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous, yeah, of course. dude. Like 90% yeah. of them are found to be compliant by your assessors that you train. <laughs> For $500 it's a insane. <laughs> so what needs to happen is, so, so what we've been doing is focusing on developing programs for companies that are going to help them not only comply with PCI, we're not going to walk in the door and go, okay, here's the policies and procedures that you need, and you know, here are the controls that you need to put in place, and let's measure against that and then walk out. Let's talk about real security. Let's talk about the realistic possibility of somebody getting into your corporate environment and then subsequently hopping into the cardholder environment, whether or not that's protected, you know, irrelevant right now. Let's talk about what controls need to be in place to prevent that from happening. Yep. And then let's figure out what the overall solution is to the problem at a technology and policy level rather than at a compliance and audit level. Well, yeah, and so and that it, anything that you've done at that point is completely and totally defensible. You know, I, I I think that it's it's so great to to talk to people of like mindsets in the security community. I, I was I like said it on a couple episodes ago of just like you know I sit in the basement and I like get excited because we talk to people and and they have like the same view of data security and then I go outside. And I'm like, shit, the sky's still falling. I want to go back to the basement and talk to people. Uh, but, like, you know, I, I know you and I have talked about that before, too, of, of just getting people. And when you were talking about asking the right questions, um, I think that that's the most important thing. I think that when you ask the question of what do you need to secure, and when the company gives you a the company, um, that's the time where they need some training, and that's when they need some guidance. Because I, I know that critical assets, as well as large, like our, our big charters, are, are really to protect what matters most to them and what's important. And, and even to go as far as in, in the security community, it's almost part of your job to help people find what is important because their job is keeping the, the company running. You know, we, we need to help them identify a lot of these things. And I think that that's one of the biggest problems with all of compliance is that what compliance tends to do in almost every type of compliance is they set the level of importance on the types of data for you. And I think that that's ridiculous. It's like it's like saying that, you know, everyone from now on is going to be a medium shirt size. And, like, it doesn't matter if you're different than me. You're a medium right, because that's right. what it has to be. Which is, which is what uh, frameworks try to do, right? Right. They, like, like COVID is great. I mean, I think, actually, it's it's a really, really good framework. Um, but when, you're try, when your business involves things like processing credit cards or other high-risk functions, you know, I don't know, trading human organs or whatever it is you do, <laughs> then 
you can't just blindly apply COBIT and say, well, because I have this framework and because I've implemented everything that it requires at all these different levels, then suddenly my organization is gone from being not very good to super awesome posture-wise. Right. Because at the end of the day, you've, you've still got data that represents a serious threat. Yeah. Yep. Right? If somebody gets a hold of this, you're going to be in the newspaper. That's the bottom line. <laughs> exactly. And you're not going to be in the newspaper in like a, hey, guess whose stock price went up? It- Have you looked at Heartland's stock price? <laughs> oh, yeah. Are they even listed anymore? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> now, I mean, now I have to go look. You watch what happened at Card Systems, and those guys just—I I mean, they basically everybody just stopped talking about it because it was like, oh, well, yeah, that's a sad story. Nobody wants to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's sad. Yeah, you have to feel bad for corporate America these days. I do. I honestly do. I feel bad for. I feel bad for like level two merchants. Because right? there's a lot of them that nobody talks about. Well, yeah, isn't the biggest space like level two and, and three? Yeah, three, two, between two and three is probably statistically where you will see the largest number of people processing cards. Wow. Um, which is also, uh, you know, oddly enough, where the largest number of compromises happen. Unfortunately, you know, these aren't companies that buy a lot of consulting hours and they don't, you know, figure out what their actual risk is. So, when they do get a call from their bank that says, hey, you know, Visa has placed you inside, you know, compromised account management system and account data, I forgot what ADCR stands for, AD, uh, account data compromise uh, collation or something like that. It, it, they go, oh, that's nice. Uh, yeah. Do you want Next. to rise with that? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> So they, they don't get it, and then when they find out that they're going to literally lose the ability to process cards forever, they're a little bit taken back. Uh, dude, so so back to the stock thing. I'm, I'm sitting here on the Google stock area. Uh, from before yeah. the compromise, they were at just shy of $30 a share. Uh, at the last market close, they're $7.90. <laughs> Wow. And at the at the Yeah, dude, at the worst part, uh they went down like right after the compromise was released and and then it started tanking and then it really started tanking as soon as they started talking about sanctions and all that. Um and what was gonna come back on them and <clears throat> and everything else. It went down to like five dollars. That's I mean, that's how, bad. How how much would I bet though that the guy that had to give the quarterly report was saying or the annual report was like yeah, it's because of the economy. It has nothing to do with this <laughs> hack. Yeah, yeah. Nothing to see here. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. If Obama's I were that guy, it. I seriously would have gotten up in front of the room and said, you know, nothing's ready yet, but here's pictures of my trip to Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's this, this is me and my wife. We're in Oahu. This is us going over to Maui. This is yeah. me dropping into a 30-foot wave. <laughs> I'm sure you wish I didn't make it, but... But but isn't my wife hot? But there you go. Check it out. Yep, these are my kids. (laughs) (laughs) Well, dude, I I think you you bring up super excellent points on this, and and in the same vein, you know, I'm I'm not trying to be unprofessional about those things because I think that 
you know, compliance has done something and standards have done something, which is a hell of a lot better than the nothing that all of us were doing. But, but you know, I think that with that, we can't see these, you know, I, I, the, my favorite comment, right, was the panacea of the card industry, is that's what PCI stands for. Um, because, you know, it's just, you, you can't take these things as absolutes. You can't say that somebody else is going to write a standards guidelines for me. Because if they could do that, that would mean that your business is not unique, you are completely unimportant, and that what you do for a living can be so easily replicated that someone can secure you without ever even talking to you. And I think that, that the predicated concepts of those are, are make the whole thing you know, just, just, just another thing to comply with, and it shouldn't be used for security because not everybody's the same. I mean, if, if you really value your company and you see your brand as new, unique, how can you use a standard set to protect you? You're a unique entity. I mean, can't you just go, hey, well, look, this I is going to help? And the reality, though, is, is that this standard is, it is the, the last word right now. Right. And it's unfortunate that that's the case. But this is a message for all merchants that are out there. Okay. Anybody who's listening who is responsible for compliance of payment card data, we understand that it isn't your data to begin with. You need to understand it isn't your data to begin with. Okay, You need to understand it's impractical to try to protect it. It's, it's not a trivial matter. This is not easy. Okay, You can't just go, oh, well, yeah, we encrypt it on the website and everything's good. Yes. Okay. All good a high later. value target, right? Number, you know, the, the third thing is it's super high value to people who want to take it because they can act, they can do one of two things with it. They can either use it to literally buy things, right? Or they can sell it to other people who want to literally use it to buy things. Right. This is going on in real time yep. around the world right now. And then the last thing is if you lose it. It's going to cost you more in brand damage, unfortunately, than your company's probably worth. So, which makes it kind of this catch-22, right? It, it's going to cost you all this money in brand damage if you're breached, but it's not your data. So I would urge merchants to do two things. Number one, uh, protect it as you're required to be a PCI uh, for the time being. And number two is, you know, speak your mind. Tell people yeah. at ETA, tell people at, at, uh, at Merchant Risk Council, tell people uh, that are involved in the community, um, tell your assessor, say, you know, uh, this isn't something that I'm really in tune with and I'd like to be able to change the system and I'd like to be able to modify the way that things work. And, uh, you know, what's your opinion on the fact that, that PCI is a little bit silly? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I, I think that my, my opinion of PCI is that it's a, it's a monarchy slash dictatorship that has appointed officials from other people that benefit from it directly. And I, I, I would love to see it a little bit more community-driven, you know? Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think that's what they're trying to achieve with uh, the annual meeting. But I would suggest that it needs to be happening more frequently. OWASP is a great example, and it's so funny because PCI literally quotes OWASP. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, but I mean, these are these are. This was initially what a couple 
three or four different guys who sat down and went, okay, why do web applications break? Mm -hmm. And they wrote a bunch of stuff. And they're like, well, let's share it with people. And then more people got on board. And then all of a sudden, like, I literally am part of the executive committee for the San Diego chapter of OLASP. Right? right. There's a San Diego chapter of OLASP. Right. Right. There's a San Francisco chapter of OLASP. They're, they're everywhere. Yeah. Well, and I mean, we have Denver and Boulder. People have adopted. Yeah. It has a purpose, right? It's to, it's at a, at a baseline level, it's to look at, all web applications everywhere, the way things are coded, and decide, is this good or is this bad? Yep, exactly. Exactly. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming on and rapping with us about this stuff. And, and I really appreciate, you know, you being straight about it. And I know that a lot of times, sometimes our kind of straight opinion can be misconstrued. Um, so I really don't want anyone to, to think of it that way. I mean, uh, just like Matt, you know, we've we've all been in security for 15, 20 years, and and we've seen standards come and standards go, and we've progressively, and I kind of speak for everybody, but I think we've progressively all seen the state of security get worse, and there's more people in our industry, and that and that to me doesn't make sense. So I, I think that, you know, my my takeaway from from what you're talking about is that not only do the people who are working within these standards. Uh, need to just step up their game and start really paying attention to what's going on and share some of their experiences. But so do the companies that that have to implement these things. And and I really, you know, I, I urge everyone to to follow Matt's advice around that and and really start speaking out um, because this is something that's going to change how security looks and how security works. And the more and more compromises that we get every year. And the more and more data that's lost and the more shocking, crazy, bullshit statistics like Verizon put out, um, you know, it's the more fear that people are going to have and more money's going to get washed down the drain and then you're just going to get hacked again. So, you know, I, thank you for, for giving some of your opinions on it because, I, I, dude, I agree with you 110%. Yeah. Cool. Well, so, I, you know, I appreciate being here and, and I thank you guys for the time to be able to speak my mind a little bit. You know, the one last thought that I'd like to leave you with is that, you know, you, somebody needs to come up with a strategy for what a real payment system looks like in the world, right? You've got these five companies who control everything, <laughs> and they all use the same format, and the format is bad. Yep. And by, by virtue of the format being bad, fraud occurs. Yep. So... I would urge really smart people, especially those who are very heavy in math, <laughs> to come up with some form of payment system involving encryption natively that works and is not costly to implement on a large, large scale, possibly the largest scale. And secondly, I would urge any merchant who currently has to comply with the crappy system that we have in place to give me a call. <laughs> I love it because we you know we, we've been helping people with these problems for a while now and um, you know we've seen a lot of the same things over and over and we see unique challenges every day but um, you know I've uh, I think I've solved a lot of problems cost effectively uh, for folks who were you know we, we walked into uh, a company a couple of weeks ago and they're like well we just got told that we had to buy 5,000 IDS's <laughs> What? 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 That's insane. 
Why would you? Wow. Well, because we have 5,000 seats on this license for this thing that has to be deployed. Oh Are they defending yeah, against China? Jeez. Well, who told you that? Well, my assessor. Fail. Okay. Well, who's your assessor? The guy who makes the IES. What? <laughs> <laughs> Insane. Oh, that's beautiful. So, right on. Well, preventing problems. I'm with it. Thank you so much for your time, brother. I appreciate it. Yeah, talk to you soon. No problem. All right. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon, brother. Bye, man. Take care. See you. Bye. That's awesome. (laughs) There was something he brought up, and I I thought it was really appropriate. Um, He mentioned, you know, why are you why do you keep using the same assessor every year? I mean, I get you You like the way a guy does a certain job, but at the same time, as good of a job as, say, your company might do or Trustway, Trustway might do or whatever. Let's be fair. I said your company I first. Trustway. Okay. I'm not a qualified <laughs> – I'm not a certified assessor. I'm not going to pay those so, fucking so like regardless of how, time vampires how well, my money. <laughs> regardless of how well a, a company might do a job, they don't, they're not going to probably cover everything. And there's right. probably a slight difference in methodology. Absolutely. So fucking, you know, switch every year. Go maybe maybe have five different companies and just round robin them. Yeah. And on top of that, you'll probably get a better a better report, better assessment overall because instead of having a company going, oh well, you know, we're gonna fucking get them anyway. So you know, throw this junior right. guy on there because you know, let's let's say let's say you use IBM and you have for the last ten years. Mm. Wah, 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 wah. You rapidly become the guys that. They throw all their juniors at to like, hey, we get this every year, so here's right. what you need to look for. Right. You know, no, fucking switch every year. Have have a new set of eyes on it. Just yeah, like it'll you give would, you, you learn know. something new. Yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll be able to you know figure out things that you do like. So then when you come back to that assessor that you really trust and and like working with, you can say, hey, you know, I also like it when people give me head and tickle my balls instead of just give me head. So sometimes just you know sometimes you need to taint it. Yeah, Whatever. Hey. I mean that's you know. Pink in the stink is can, cool. Can you lick this time instead of sucking so hard? Right, you know, and you're not going to get that unless you, you, you know, you try it out. You try right. a couple around. Right. You know, kind of like the stranger. It's you know, like the you're, stranger. You're, if you're right-handed, that might work really well, but every now and then, give it a little lefty, just yeah. see what happens. Flip the grip. Do what you got to do. <laughs> Speaking of flip the grip, <laughs> I need food. <laughs> time to go. Ryan needs food. I think we're going to check out for now. Thank you guys very much for listening to us. Go to exoticliability.com. Please sign up if you can. Um, we're going to have all sorts of fun stuff coming out. I'll yeah. be running around at Layer 1 this weekend, too. So oh, right say on. hello. This, this weekend? Or, well, it's coming. Well, it'll, <laughs> it'll be this weekend by the time I think this one comes out, maybe? Or okay. was it be last weekend? I'm It'd be confused. last weekend. Maybe. I'm well, running I, around I hope, last weekend. Come back I, in time. I hope you said hi to me at, when I was there. I know. <laughs> Talk to you guys later. Later.